Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the latest edition of Circling the Bases on DJ Short. And with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so thanks for joining us over there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. A ton of afternoon baseball and some interesting games to keep an eye on. We have Jacob deGrom and Grayson Rodriguez later today. That's going to be a blast. Rodriguez making his Major League debut. This is also our first waiver wire Wednesday of the season. We're going to do this every Wednesday throughout the season. How's it going, Scott? Going great. Uh, I will not tell people to pick up Rodriguez so I don't jinx him the way I did with Brett Beatty on Monday. I feel <laughs> terrible about that. Um, yeah. You know, pumped him up, drafted him in the friends and family league, wrote him up on Tuesday, and now he's hurt. Well, hopefully not too long with that thumb injury, but you worry yeah. about that. That changes the trajectory of that story. We knew Grayson Rodriguez was coming, right? It's just yeah. a matter of when. The fact that Baltimore does it in the first week of the season, basically, and then he goes up against the ground. This is the one game you need to watch. And I don't know about you, but I love these during the week when you get the baseball, you know, A to Z. You know, it just it starts mm. early, it ends yep. late. You have a game on constantly. I, those are my favorite yep. days. You, you get to watch more of the action. It's a little bit more spread out. There's always something going on. Yep. And excited to jump into waiver wire Wednesday because, as we always talk about, the bottom of your roster should be fluid. It's never too early to make pickups. I know you got to do a lot of these on spec. You don't have proof these guys are going to be good yet. But if you don't add yep. them, somebody else will. And your hit rate doesn't need to be that high. If we give you 10 players today, if two or three of these guys have staying power, you, you actually are doing pretty well. It's kind of like real baseball, right? If you're hitting 300, right. you're doing well. If, let's say, three of these guys end up being long-term plays for you, that's, that's a pretty good hit rate. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'll take it. I, I like setting the bar low. Uh, so we'll <laughs> sure. Uh, well, so one, we each have, one of my one of my picks sets the bar really low because he, he's okay. always around the Mendoza line. So maybe it's gonna be two right. for, maybe it's gonna be two for ten. We'll see. Spoiler alert here. Uh, okay, we each have five recommendations for you guys, and we also have a fun wrinkle with these recommendations. You see just how MLB has incorporated a pitch clock this season. We're going to do the same on some of these waiver waiver wire Wednesday episodes. Scott actually sent me a list of his five recommended pickups. I'm going to pick one of them at random, and Scott will have 60 seconds to make his pitch for that particular player. We have a clock and countdown ready to go as well. So you ready to hear the player you'll talk about? For sure. A lot of people have been said said over the years that Pianowski needed a pitch clock anyway. So, well, <laughs> much overdue innovation right here. Wait, so no like 70s hockey references here? <laughs> Not yet. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, Scott. So I want to hear your pitch on one of the newest twins this season, 
Joey Gallo. Why should people give him another chance? Ready? Sure, let's do it. Joey Gallo. Now, career average, he's the Mendoza line. Career average is 200, all right? But he'll probably play mostly against right, and you'll get, you won't have to worry about him against lefties. And I just think New York and L.A. were bad for, for Gallo. He's a guy hit the 40 home runs in the season. He's a decent player in OBP league. I just think Minnesota, right place for down for Gallo. He's going to hit probably 215 or 220. But that's worth it if you're getting 35 home runs. All right. Hey, you have time to spare. You can fill it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I didn't have uh, anything deep on Gal in the sense that he's not going to steal bases. Minnesota, I think, is a plus lineup. I don't think it's a overboard lineup. At, what uh, plus twelve offense, maybe? But mostly, this is just about. I just think New York. Some players don't fit that media market well, and I think Gal is one of those guys. I think he can relax more. Minnesota is not an antagonistic media market or fan base, so I think he probably relax and maybe spread his wings. And, and he's available. I think right now in, in about three quarters of Yahoo leagues. There we go. There's the horn. Good. Good. You did it. You did it. Uh, I like the pitch. Um, I, I think my slight concern with Gallo this year is that I do expect league batting averages to be a little bit higher just by extension of uh, the, the shift uh, restrictions. He should benefit from the lack of shifts as well. That is a plus for him. But how much would you reasonably expect for a batting average for Joey Gallo this year? Like your most optimistic batting average for Gallo, what what would it be? Yeah, it's probably 225, and that's that's a high end. Also, I like him more if you're in a format, if you're in a Yahoo format where you make daily changes, if you're in an NFBC format where you get two changes a week and you can really go lineup specific. Maybe it's, it's a weekend where the Twins face all righties and they're like three, four, five starters. He's not facing any aces or that. If you have a league, you can get the center cut of Gallo or maybe in DFS play where you're just using him when the matchup looks right. That's – and I know every league isn't like that. If you set your league once a week and, and you have to look at those lefties, Gallo will be a dead spot. I get it. He might not make a lot of sense. But I'm going to do maintenance with my roster every day in fantasy. It's one of the great things about fantasy baseball is there's another game tomorrow. And I don't mind having a managed player like Gallo. Also, a yeah. very sneaky thing, when you have somebody who is platoon-specific, I always like it when that player is not in the West Coast because if he's on the West Coast, a lot of times you have to wait until the lineup comes out. You don't have all the full information. So if I'm going to have to manage a player like Gal, at least he's, what, central time with Minnesota. So I'll be able to make an informed choice without having to guess mm -hmm. who's playing later on in the night. That's a good point. That's a good point. That is definitely an underrated uh, part of West Coast players, or at least non-East Coast time zone players. Uh, so I'll give you my first pick in a minute, but just a, for, for, uh, a reminder first here, every season is draft season. Get your Rotorola Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Rotorola Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% off at checkout. Again, that's promo code Barry, B-E-R-R-Y, and get all three draft guides for the price of two. So my first pick this week is Brian Anderson uh, with the Brewers. He's available in 86% of Yahoo leagues. That, that number is probably shrinking uh, based off the game that he had on Tuesday night against the Mets, a two-homer game. Now has three homers and 10 RBIs on the year. Has hit safely in five straight games to begin the year. This was... As of Wednesday afternoon, where Brian Anderson is actually starting in right field today, so we'll see if he keeps that hit streak alive. Alive, uh, of course, Anderson has dealt with injuries the past couple of years, but he was a, an above-average hitter with the Marlins in 2019 and 2020. Put up 31 homers with an 811 OPS, 
over 185 games during that time. That's a 114 OPS plus. So again, you got to factor in the ballpark, very pitcher friendly ballpark there in Miami for his tenure uh, with that team. And now he's in a completely opposite situation in Milwaukee. The Luis Arias hamstring injury basically locks him in the lineup on a daily basis, whether it's third base on most days or in right field like today. The Brewers are facing a lefty, David Peterson. So he's in right field. Um, so he's going to be in there pretty much every day. Uh, I actually drafted him in my NL only labor league and in tout wars uh, because I was watching to see if, you know, he's kind of one of those guys, even when he was good, he was kind of boring. So I was kind of interested to see, like, he finally goes to a hitter friendly situation. He's healthy. Maybe there's something here. I like it. If you hadn't picked Anderson in the first run of our waivers, I would have picked him myself. So he's certainly getting two thumbs up from us. And make sure when you point and click on B Anderson, you're not picking up Brett Anderson, his teammate on the Brewers. Some knucklehead did that in the Yahoo Friends and Family League, whose name rhymes with Ouch. mine. But uh, thankfully, <laughs> on the Commissioner League, I was able to delete that transaction, not count it against my cap. I'm sure they'll be howling from all my opponents. But you mentioned it a boring player, but things have clicked here. Better park, better lineup. He's got two. Roster positions he qualifies in Yahoo. He'll be in the lineup just about every day. And 2019 wasn't that long ago when he was a plus offensive player. I think there's every reason why he should be rostered in 12 team and up. I think not just the 15 teamers, but I think even in the 12 team leagues, Brian Anderson's worth the roster spot. All right, Scott, who do you got next? So this is the most obvious. We a lot of times we use 50% as like, you know, don't give me somebody over 50% rostered. You just wasted my time. So I'm kind of straddling the fence here, but Jorge Mateo is at 50% yeah. rostered. I know the average isn't going to be great, but you get category juice. Since the beginning of last year, 15 home runs, 39 stolen bases. He already has four this year. And although the Red Sox helped Baltimore in that first series, the Orioles have sounded the alarm. that They're going to run as much as they can. Jorge Mateo comes out of the dugout with the green light. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I talked about Gal earlier. Like Gal legitimately could wreck your average. I just think Mateo is going to ding your average a little bit. You just have to make up for it a little bit elsewhere. But I think he'll hit enough to stay in the lineup. And if somebody is filling – the home run and stolen base columns, you know, again, we call it category juice. If somebody gives you category juice, I really don't matter. It doesn't matter to me what the rest of the player profile is. I think he should be rostered in every mixed league. Yeah. And I, I think a couple of, maybe it was last week, we each picked a player outside the top 200 who could be a top 100 player. Given the environment that we've seen, and it's just this short time, this, you know, five, six days so far in the season, Jorge Mateo could be one of those guys. I mean, he could legitimately steal 50 plus bases this year and hit double digit homers too. Uh, and that might be good enough to be a top 100 player this year. So I, I agree. I, I think he should be rostered pretty much everywhere. Uh, next up for me is someone I'm looking at more as a, maybe someone you make a call on on a weekly basis, or if it's a situation where you can make daily lineup changes, Jerickson Profar. Uh, he's available in 80% of Yahoo League's Off to a slow start after signing late in spring training. Uh, Got a late start on the season, in fact. Uh, Just one for 11 thus far, but it's understandable he would need some time to shake the rust as he gets back in the swing of uh, game action here. But fact is, he's projected to be the regular leadoff hitter for the Rockies, playing left field every day. And this is a great time to jump on board. The Rockies will begin a seven-game homestand on Thursday, That starts with four games against the Nationals. So you want to jump in on that uh, as the Rockies presumably will score some runs against that Nationals pitching staff, which looks pretty rough. 
The Rockies, in fact, will play 10 out of their next 13 games at Coors Field. So even if you aren't overly excited about what Profar can do over a full season, you'll probably want to take a shot on him for now. Yeah, location, location, location. Managing the Colorado schedule is one of the most important things we do as fantasy managers, especially in those weekly leagues. And Profar, by OPS+, plus, was a plus offensive player in 2022 and 2020. So I think his run with the Padres was maybe a little bit better than expected. Yeah. This will not be the last time you hear me say post-hype sleeper on this show. I know Profar, maybe it's too late in his career to think that there's a great upside here. But at one point, he was the number one prospect in baseball. Also, he only qualifies at one spot right now, but he's played so many places on the field. If injuries happen, maybe the Rockies move him around. So you might get some category, some positional juice with Profar uh, later on in the season. But the bottom line is this. If you are hitting near the top of a Colorado Rockies lineup, your relevant fantasy is at least during the home schedule. You're going to look for those weeks when the home slate bunches up. As you said, there's one coming. There's a glorious Colorado homestand on the way. So Jerkson Profar is back in our lives. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Um, who you got next, Scott? So uh, I probably made people mad giving a 50% player out. Oh, he's gone in my leagues. Now I'll give you a player you won't want because he's only 2% rostered. I'm going to give you <laughs> Adbert. Alzale, and it's really simple, okay? He struck out five guys in a relief appearance. We're following the walks. We're following the strikeouts. Now, there are other relievers who may get saves in Chicago. We may talk about one of them later. But uh, Mm -hmm. if Alzale is not going to be the closer, and I think maybe he might get a save look later, I want him in a multiple inning role, which he looks like he might have with two innings, five strikeouts the other day, because that leads to maybe more potential wins. And we've seen one of the big changes since fantasy has been around, like in the internet era and the Yahoo era and the era that we've been doing at DJ, is more wins are filtered into the relief staffs. And these guys, these middle relievers are more valuable now than I think they were maybe 15 or 20 years ago. They smooth over the ratios. And look, at I know it's still kind of a small sample, but look at what Alzale has done for the – for the Cubs since joining the team late last year. We're talking about 18 innings, two walks, 27 strikeouts. When I see ratios like that, I want to start hugging strangers. So is it for the, <laughs> is it for the eight and 10 team leagues? No, but I think 15 team for sure. And even in 12 team leagues, where you are just looking to massage those ratios. This is the type of player who probably wasn't drafted in your league. You can add them for nothing, just the opportunity cost of the other player you were going to add. And I think they end up uh, uh, 10 or 12 of these guys will pop during the season. I think he might be one of them. I mean, think about you're holding a uh, starting pitch on your roster who gets like one start a week. And what's the base, best case scenario for that pitcher? They pitch six innings, they give up one or two runs. Maybe they strike out a batter per inning, right? But Alzale, like, let's say he pitches six innings in a week. He could strike out 10 batters and give up no runs, you know? So 
there is a difference there that can be made with sort of these middle inning relievers and maybe he could reel off two wins in a, in a week. So uh, I, I do think there's some relevancy there. I'm going to take the other side of the coin with this Cubs bullpen, Michael Fulmer available in 63% of Yahoo leagues. I think this is mostly about Fulmer just not getting a save yet. Uh, I think fantasy managers are looking to see how this bullpen is going to play out, but I still think he's clearly in good position in this Cubs bullpen, we've already seen a scenario where Buck, where Brad Boxberger pitched the eighth, Fulmer pitched the ninth with a four-run lead. I think that's likely where where David Ross wants to go. Uh, not to say that Alzale couldn't jump in the mix here, but maybe Alzale is more of that fireman, seventh, eighth inning, high leverage situation guy when you really need a strikeout, where Fulmer could be used as more of the traditional ninth inning closer, comes in the game with nobody on base you know, two-run lead type of thing. But Fulmer is basically rostered in the same amount of leagues as A.J. Puck, Will Smith with the Rangers, Pierce Johnson with the Rockies, Danny Jimenez, Scott McGuff. Bruzdar Gratterall is actually rostered in more leagues than Fulmer, and I feel better about Fulmer than I do about Gratterall. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think they're, you know, well, maybe we just want to see that first save. I get it. But if Fulmer's out there, I, I think he could be pretty solid for a Cubs team, which I think we both expect to be pesky this year, there's going to be a bunch of save chances here. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a double agent here. I want to make it clear. If you only have one chip to spend in this bullpen, I would go with Fulmer first, and his roster ship reflects that. He does appear to be first in line for the, the next save chance that they get. And the one outing that he got hit, Milwaukee had a couple of cheap hits off him, and he had squeezed on a couple of pitches. I don't think he looked bad in that game at all. He's closed before. He was at one point a really good starter. Was he rookie of the year? I think once. once he year, was. I want to say. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago that Michael Fulmer was a dynamic starter. As we know, most of the great relievers are, for whatever reason, failed starters or guys who don't start anymore. So uh, he's the one guy I would, if I was going to take somebody in the bullpen here, I would take Fulmer over uh, over Alzale, but because um, I think he's going to get the saves. I think they're both worthy of roster ship and you also i just want to mention really quickly you mentioned gratterall what, what you ask people ask what am i looking for when the fantasy season starts it really all during the season but especially early nebulous save situations bullpen situations right what happened in los angeles tuesday night gratterall pitched in the middle of the game evan phillips closed at the end of the game that it doesn't matter necessarily what teams tell us it's what they do and in this game yeah. that the dodgers held the lead the whole game they said okay gratterall's a holds guy Phillips is a save guy. It doesn't mean it will be that way every night, but first in line, the first guy who gets a save in any city has the baton. And a lot of times yeah. that's all you need. You have you, ownership of the gig is such a huge part of this. So I, I want to see in these nebulous situations, who gets the ninth inning first, who gets the first save, because if that player comes through so often, the manager will push the button again. So if full, I guarantee if Fulmer does get a save this week, his roster ship will probably bump up like 15 or 20% immediately. Oh, yeah. Why not jump the line and get in right now? I like it. I like it. So, uh, next up for me is Zach Eflin. He's available in 55% of Yahoo leagues. And I will acknowledge here out front, I might be wrong about the Rays. And it's only taken me a week to say that. I think I took the under on their win total, which was at 89 when we did our over-under uh, wins total episode. And here they are, what, 5-0 and right now? And uh, Shane McClanahan, the race, he's on the hill today, Wednesday. Jeffrey Springs looked amazing over the weekend. Drew Rasmussen is solid. Tyler Glasnow, when he comes back, oozes potential. But Zach Eflin could be a huge key to this rotation. Signed for three years, $40 million over the winter. The Rays were hoping to unlock some of the flashes of potential that Eflin has shown over the years. And so far, so good. He looked great 
in his season debut. Granted, it was against the Tigers, but Eflin, you know, did what he was supposed to do. He took care of business, allowed just one run on three hits and one walk over five innings, uh, notched five strikeouts, induced 13 swinging strikes on his 74 pitches. By the way, the bulk of those whiffs came on his curveball and a retooled changeup. Like that might be what the Rays think that they could unlock here with him. Uh, really interesting movement on that pitch, keeping the ball on the ground with his sinker as well. I, I think the Rays might be working their magic once again. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out, so be it. But I, I think you, in the in a mixed league where you're playing 10, 12 teams, he's probably going to be your fifth, sixth starter. Uh, and that's not so bad. I like it. One of the things we like to do is we like to bet where the smart teams bet. And that contract tells you that Tampa Bay believes in Eflin. He wasn't a wait-and-see guy or kick-the-tires guy. They gave him money, and they expect him to be good. So he gets the tutelage in the coaching of Tampa Bay, and this is usually a plus defensive team. The park they play in is pitcher favoring. So a lot of the dots connect. And, again, I'm comfortable – when Tampa Bay makes a bet on a player, I'm comfortable backlining that bet. So I'm happy to get involved in Eflin as you are. Next one for me is Mitch Garver, and it comes down to two really simple things. One, he's a catcher who won't catch all the time, which is – fantasy friendly for us and it wasn't that long ago he was a really good offensive player with an OPS plus of I think 121 for his career I, I think there's a 25 or 30 home run season still in his range of outcomes just needs to be healthy you know he hasn't been healthy in recent seasons but if he's going to get a lot of his playing time not catching I think that just gives him an easier path to play a full season and right now rostered I know, I know a lot of Yahoo leagues are just one catcher so this will speak to the rostership tag but 16 percent on Mitch Garver I mean it should be, at least be double that I hey, I agree. I mean, he's only a what a couple of years away from hitting 30 homers. Like he has legit power in that bat. I, I think the Rangers lineup has a chance to be really good too. So the supporting cast matters. And and like you said, like a catcher that doesn't catch every day, like that's that's money to me. Um and he's had some health concerns too. So that's gonna help him stay in the lineup, hopefully. Uh, but I'm into that as well. I know there's some leagues where maybe he doesn't qualify a catcher yet, but if he can be a little bit patient. Uh, he could be a, a really good find here. Up next for me is actually an injury stash. I don't think there's anything wrong with a, a good injury stash if you have some flexibility on your roster. And I'm going to recommend Brian Bayo, available in 91% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, Bayo fell behind the other pitchers in Red Sox camp, had some forearm soreness. It wasn't anything serious, uh, but he's progressing well, should be able to join the Red Sox rotation in around mid-April, I think he's uh, pitching in some uh, not not quite an official minor league rehab assignment type game yet, but extended spring training starts. I think he's actually uh, going to make a start today. Then we'll probably go on an official rehab start, and then from there he could be ready to join the Red Sox rotation. Bayo had mixed results as a rookie last year: four seven one ERA, eleven starts, two relief appearances, uh, fifty five strikeouts, and fifty seven and a third innings. Uh, the velocity's there. He did a good job avoiding hard contact last year, especially in terms of barrels. Uh, keeps the ball on the ground with his sinker. Uh, change up the big whiff pitch. Um, showed good vertical movement uh, with his slider in a small sample last year as well. And he also worked with Pedro Martinez uh, during the offseason. Nice little feather in your cap to get advice from one of the greatest living pitchers. Um, and the other thing about Bayo, you know, comparing him to Grayson Rodriguez, Bayo threw 153 in a third innings between the majors and the minors last year. That's a lot. So workload shouldn't be an issue with Bayo. And it would not surprise me, actually, if he is more valuable than Grayson Rodriguez in 
uh, mixed leagues this season. Wow, that's a spicy hot take. I love it. Mm-hmm. And man, you, you you hit so many great points there. It, it's interesting he's working with Pedro because he has the same body type as Pedro. Yep, he does. So he remind. I mean, look, he doesn't. His upside isn't Pedro Martinez's because we'd never say that about anybody. But he does remind me. I mean, there is some overlap in their skills. And we talk about the three true outcomes, right? How did Bayo do last year in the three true outcomes? Well, he struck out about a batter per inning. That's great. He allowed one home run all season. That's mm-hmm. excellent. The control wasn't good. He walked better than four batters per nine innings. But of all the things that a, pit, a young pitcher can get better at, I always feel control. You, cut, you can work on that. That will get better as he becomes more confident and he learns how to pitch. And, again, he couldn't have a better mentor than Pedro Martinez. And we know this Red Sox staff, man, it, it looks ugly right now there's going to be availability when Bayo is healthy so I think this is a great whether you're stashing him in some leagues or maybe for some of the more shallow leagues just know this name when he's healthy when they announce he's rejoining the team be first in line then you'll have to play to your season to taste the the specs of your league but if nothing else he should be somebody you're aware of and I certainly see plausible upside for him in the second half of the season Pete Alonso just hit a two-run home run thank you Uh, yeah I'll take it We'll, we'll take it for sure just from the waiver wire baseball studios on Wednesday, Ac- action as it happens. I, uh, I <laughs> pick tried up to get- Pete Alonso. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna drop. Um, I, I feel kind of bad that I, I'm gonna drop. I don't I don't know. Um, so, some some uh, fifth round for, uh, first base when I drafted just to get uh, Pete Alonso, <laughs> but. Yeah. Actually, I, tr- I tried to get – I was trying to come up with Matt Olson's name. I, tr- I tried to get Matt Olson or Pete Alonzo on every one of my teams. Mm-hmm. And so when one of them hits a home run, my phone blows up because they're on all my yeah. Yahoo teams. So um, it's usually – you know, when your phone blows up, it's one of two things. Either, oh, you pre- you picked up Brett Beatty everywhere and he's hurt, or you <laughs> you roster, you know, Alonzo or Olson. They just hit a home run. Uh, I'll tell you who hit a home run Tuesday that hasn't landed yet, Spencer Torkelson. He's my final pick. Mm-hmm. He's at 60% rostered. Here's your post-hype case, right? He was the first overall pick in his draft class. This is the guy I was hoping I was going to get the elevator pitch on because I think that the dots are really connecting here. First overall pick in his draft class. Fifth over, uh, top five pick going into 2022. He doesn't have a great season, but he's still so young. And Detroit, a team that I was absolutely dumping on after Springs struck out 12 of them on, on Sunday. I thought Springs could have no-hit them for 20 innings if needed. They took him out after six. All Detroit got was, was a couple of cheap hits that game, but – well, I guess one of them was a home run. The other hit was kind of cheap, an infield hit. But Torkelson in the Houston series, four for eight, a homer, a double, a walk. I realize the Tigers lineup isn't good, but at least they have Riley Green and Torkelson, their best friends. They bat back-to-back. At least mm-hmm. the middle of the lineup is good. Spencer Torkelson, is a, he's a get-it guy. I, I Sometimes the development curve is different for everybody. Not everybody hits the ground running. And, again, I'm not comparing him to Mike Trout, but let's just not forget that Mike Trout's first season wasn't much of a fantasy you know, thing. He wasn't that good his first year, and then he took off in the second season. Development is different for everybody. The Tigers, I still think, are going to be a bad baseball team, but Riley yeah. Green and Spencer Torkelson are going to be worth your while. And, again, Torkelson, I, I think he should be about 50% rostered. I'm shocked he's down at 16% because anytime a hot prospect gets off to a good start, I mean, this wasn't a prospect. He was the first pick in his draft class. He was yep. a top five player on every draft board last year. People were right. thrilled, were so excited about this guy. And then he has mm-hmm. a mediocre season and people write it off like his career's over. It, right. I know the team's bad. Spencer Torkelson's going to be good. Yeah, it's amazing how that happens. I mean, I think we've been spoiled by so many young players coming up and just being great right away. So that, you know, when one fails, uh, has some ups and downs, like we just give up. I, I don't know if like Jared Kelnick will ever be the prospect that we were hoping he hope might so. be. Uh, we'll see. The early results aren't promising this year. But yeah, sometimes it takes a little while. And sometimes, hey, baseball's really hard and, and prospects don't figure it out. So 
Uh, definitely someone uh, that I think you should take a shot on too. Maybe not in a 10 team league, uh, 12 team, maybe, especially if you have a corner infield spot. Like, why not take a shot? Uh, just a reminder here download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. And if you had Brett Beatty favorited today, you would know that the MRI on his thumb showed no structural damage. Okay. He is considered day-to-day. Now, this was the same thumb that he had surgery on last year. So naturally, there's some concern. He's the, At this point, the top prospect in the Mets system, they should slow play it probably as much as they possibly mm-hmm. can, make sure he's pain-free, because I think the Mets are going to need him and very soon. But... Uh, Scott, you did not break Brett Beatty. He's, it seems like he's going to be okay. Good, because I was ready to donate my thumb to Brett Beatty in the interest <laughs> of science and in the interest of baseball. The, the thing that's so frustrating is that the dots really connected because Escobar was off to a poor start, and the Mets have had a lot of things go wrong. Quintana gets hurt. Um, Scherzer's had a couple of bad starts. He'll be fine. Verlander gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And I just think Steve Cohen, just the ethos of this team is like, our chips are all in the middle, right? We're not, we're not messing yep. around here. So I thought Beatty was going to be with the team in April. And now with the injury, it just makes sense. Okay, we're thinking long-term. You know, let's not rush anything. Let's not rush him back. Let's make sure he's healthy. So now the timetable is totally different. And I, I have to back off everything I said on Beatty, but still a, certainly a bright future. And somebody I do think is going to have fantasy relevance, but now he's more of a second-half play when I thought he could have been a springtime play first. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, uh, the Mets' offense has been bad so far. Mm-hmm. They've scored four runs in three innings today, so that's a plus. I expect them to be a good a good team, even minus Brett Beatty. I think this is above an above-average offense. There's just too many talented hitters for them to be this bad as they've been over the over the first week. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to see Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty play major roles for this team at some point this season. And if they are lacking come trade deadline, let's say Beatty's, you know, hurt or maybe struggling and uh, Alvarez can't catch, you know, whatever. Cohen's going to go out and get someone. He's going to demand to go trade for a lineup upgrade. So I think this Mets lineup is going to be solid even through these initial struggles here. So our first waiver wire Wednesday is in the books. Uh, thanks for uh, taking part in our first ever pitch clock. Uh, we will see what the feedback is from the uh, baseball community on our pitch clock. So far, it's mostly positive for the actual game. We will see about the fantasy game as well. How you feel about the pitch clock? I'm, I'm in favor. I like, you know, one thing I, I didn't think about, but one thing I really like about the pitch clock is as it winds down, I just know a pitch is coming. I know I know when the action yeah. is going to start, where a lot of times you, you just wouldn't know. Is the, is the pitcher just going to hold the ball? Is he trying to get the base runner to go back to the base? You right. know the – it's like, you know, the NFL, right? You see the clock going down or the NBA. You see the shot clock going down. You know the action's about to hit. And that's right. the same way with baseball now. And I like that every – I think I mentioned this Monday. It seems like all the networks have found a way to incorporate it on their screen, but it's not obtrusive. It's not like this yes. big Sesame Street number. Yes. Much love, much love to Sesame Street, but I don't want to see a big seven six five four. I just want to see a tiny oh, yeah. little number tucked away in the score box. And I think everybody's gotten that right. So it's just right. it's all about pace, man. It's all about pace. I don't I don't mind being in the car for an hour. I just don't want to be stop and go for an hour. Instead, I want that continuous drive. I think baseball got this right. Yeah, I, I think after a while, we're not going to really notice it. Uh, it hasn't bothered me. I think maybe it bothers some people who like to have baseball on in the background and you don't necessarily have to pay as much attention to it. You can sort of, you know, cruise Twitter and have an in-game uh, chat, essentially. 
uh, with your friends or whatever, but it doesn't maybe lend itself to that as much anymore. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think overall having games end in two and a half hours is pretty, pretty sweet. I don't, I don't mind it whatsoever. Uh, sure. But it's it's less about the, the length of game than it is the pace, and I think you're totally right about that. Good stuff, Scott. Uh, we'll see you next Monday for our next episode. Our Monday episodes are mostly going to be focused on weekend recap, headlines, that sort of thing. Any interesting fab bids from the weekend. Wednesdays will be waiver-wide focused, so uh, definitely subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review as well. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care. We'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.